0: I, 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 I. We're fired from Cain. Now we ain't got no shame, so we started a pod. Chuck Yates
1: needs a job. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Chuck Yates Needs a Job, the podcast. In 2019, the Rob Report voted my guest the best chef on the planet. More (laughs) importantly than that, the first time I had his spicy Korean goat dumpling, I went, these are fucking awesome. (laughs) Chris Shepard, welcome in. Thanks for having me, Chuck. So normally I kind of start this with, you know, my mom listens to this podcast. Will you please explain who you are? My mom actually knows who you are, but uh, maybe if there's one person out there in the audience that doesn't know who you are, who are you, Chris?
0: You know what? I used to cook for a living and now I don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <works>. <laughs> no, I mean, um, in, in, as far as Houston goes, you know, I grew up in, born in Nebraska, grew up in Tulsa, um, ended up in Houston in 95 and went to culinary school and then worked at a couple of places. And then, um,
1: well, can I ask you, so, so where yeah. did the love of food wanting to go to culinary school come from? Was that? Yeah. It's a good
0: question. Um, you know, I, I always watched my mom and my grandmother cook, but it wasn't like I was in the kitchen with them. Like, this is what I want to be. This is super romantic. You know, like a lot of stuff was like, man, I, you know, form meatballs with my aunts and my uncle, and, you know, and like, it was a big, it wasn't that for me. Um, you know, I grew up just like a normal kid. All right. Um, be at home by six for dinner. Don't wreck your bike too many times. Hopefully you don't break your shoulder, you know, or whatever, you know, like it was just kid stuff um then through school and i didn't really know what i wanted to do you know all your friends start going to college and it was like for me making that decision at 15 16 years old i i, I don't understand how that happens still right because i don't know i'm also not a parent so i i don't i can't judge that right but like having a kid decide what they want to do when they're 16 I think is really, you end up with a lot of people that hate their jobs,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> right? No, and, I'm, I'm 54 and I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. I still feel that way. I know I don't want to be a private equity guy <laughs> yeah. anymore. I'm pretty sure on that one. Well, yeah, and you learn that, you know. Yeah, the um, hard way. But yeah. anyway, yeah. It, it, um,
0: I, I went to Tulsa Junior College and I just like biology and computer science and like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do any of this. And so I took a job as a dishwasher in a sushi bar nice. in 93. So in Tulsa. So think about all the things that, like, that wasn't really something that there was, like, there was one sushi bar in Tulsa at the time.
1: Well, I was going to say today would be a different story, Absolutely. in fairness. But mm-hmm. back then, I mean, that's like one step up from drive-in yeah drive-in store sushi so, yeah but yeah. I
0: mean he's still um, my boss still did all the things he was supposed to do he flew his fish in from Japan two to three times a week Um you know it, it was good quality it was it was awesome but I got to work in the kitchen and you know kind of worked my way from scrubbing dishes and scrubbing eel pots to doing tempura and grill and, and you know I was like I want to work you know in the front of the I want to work at the sushi bar and he looked at me he's like nope (laughs) I was like all right I get it you know he's like people want to see me like it's still an uphill battle they want to see the Japanese guy (laughs) back there (laughs) cutting fish not like hey what's up I'm Chris how are you you know and so like um I I, he was like but you need to go to culinary school and I, I had no idea what that was right and he was like well that's where they teach you how to cook you need to look it up and I was like okay and so I started like Referencing like where to go, my parents had moved to Houston a couple of years before that because my dad worked for Emirata Hess. I guess it's just Hess now. But um, there, was a, there was a school here, and so I decided to come down here and then just went to culinary school and never looked back. I always thought I'd move back to Tulsa after school, but I went and interviewed at a couple of places, and I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. It's like you can be a big fish in a small pond or you can be a small fish in a big pond and try and get bigger. Right? And try and learn much much more in the you know, and the diversity of the food, the product, everything here. Right. Made sense to stay here. And so I did.
1: Very cool. So so you're going to culinary school. What's the first job? Where I, do you get tied into the Houston <laughs> food scene?
0: I actually my first job was at Houston Country Club. Oh wow. Yeah. And so like when I did that lecture a couple weeks ago with you guys, that was the first time of me being on the other side of not walking into the kitchen doors, but actually walking through the front. It was kind of a cool moment for me personally. Um, so it was fun. Uh, Houston country club. And then I, I worked at a place called Tommy's patio cafe in clear Lake. Cause that's where I was living. Um, and that was cool. Um, and I, moved to conroe to work at bentwater country club because you know i was like 24 25 i was like i can go play golf i get paid i got a lake and there's a lake and it's like i got put on salary and that was like the greatest thing ever <laughs> except it was like eighteen thousand dollars a year <laughs> it was like, all right, this is cool. I got benefits and I get to play golf. And uh Randy Evans, who uh was a dear friend of mine, we started culinary school together and um he was working at Brennan's. And so he lived in Willis, which is crazy. Oh, wow. that we would that drive in from Willis to downtown every day. Um, but like he stopped one day, one night, it was like saturday or something he was like hey i'm gonna swing by on my way home so i have a beer i was like all right cool he stops and he's like man tonight was crazy i was like what'd you guys do you know i was like he's like man we did like 500 covers tonight he's like we just got pummeled all night it was awesome and he's like what'd you do i was like i put out the taco buffet (laughs) and he's like what the hell are you doing i was like i have no idea can and he was like let's go to dinner I'll introduce you to the folks at Brennan's. And Mark Holly was there. And he basically was like, What are you doing? You're wasting your life. You're wasting your time. You need to come work. Actually, like, use your skills. And I was like, All right. And so, started working at Brennan's and spent nine years there.
1: That's crazy. I mean, the amount of talent that has gone through Brennan's. Yeah. Uh well in the whole Brennan's chain but I mean even just in Houston it's yeah. just stunning yeah you know uh Holly's was there you were there I think the most underrated chef in Houston's Danny Trace yeah I mean Danny Danny's phenomenal Randy Evans was there who else was there Hell
0: Sarah Grunberg from Monteverde in Chicago oh yeah when we, we yeah that was one of our you know A couple of Beard Awards out of that camp like I mean. It's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's. There's it's, Lance
0: Fagan, like the, you can just go down the list: Patrick Fijas from Fugeas Barbecue, like uh Daniela Sotoines from Cosme, like it, yeah, like it just had all these people that had worked
1: through it there. Well, and I'll say this: unfortunately, on film, and he's a dear friend, so I'll look at the camera. Hey, Mark Holly, I'm sorry. Chef Jose's fried chicken can be better on than yours on <laughs> certain days, right? <laughs> right? Uh, I mean. You know is a, is a stud, for he sure. Stud and how long has he been there? I don't know, 40 years? 40 years, yeah. Something like that? And still looks the same Young. age. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like, I don't, hey, Papa, hey, Papa.
0: Like, it's like, oh,
1: my God, you haven't aged at all. Like, aged at all, yeah. So stunning amount of talent there. But you did something weird when you were at Brennan's <laughs> outside of Chef. And unfortunately for me, you did it because <laughs> I'm a big fan of wine. <laughs>
0: yeah. I took over the wine program for like two, two and a half years. And it was just like a passion for me of something that, you know, back when I first moved here, you know, there's a magazine called Food and Wine. So it was like I need to understand both aspects of that life. And so um I would work in a Houston country club every time I got paid. I'd take a hundred bucks and I would go buy like four or five Sauvignon Blancs from different regions in the world, and then four and five like Pinot's from different regions of the world or Syrah or Cab or whatever it may be just to understand like the difference in flavor profiles of the same grape done in different regions. Um,
1: and it really got me interested in it. And do you have the palate for it? Because mm-hmm. what I've figured out is I just don't have taste buds. So I need a big heavy <laughs> Napa <laughs> Cab, right? My ex-wife always accuses me of, yeah, you have yeah. no taste buds. The, the delicacy, the, yeah. the,
0: you know, the, the little intricate parts of it. Yeah, It totally lost. I mean, somebody. there's a lot of people that, like really are super tasters or whatever, and you know they can taste every little nuance of things. But I, I think when you start to talk about wine and you start to drink wine, it's more just about what does it do for you, Right. Yeah. And it's it's very individualistic because y- you and I drinking the same bottle of wine are probably going to get two different flavor profiles off of it, you know. And if I say, "Oh, it tastes like apricots," you're going to be like, "Yeah, apricot." And you're like, I don't really know what you're, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> like. It was always my question, people were like very citrusy. I was like, Well, what type coming from a chef background? I was like, You can't just say that. Right? Oh, citrus notes. Which one? What citrus? Are we talking grapefruit? Are we talking lemons? What kind of lemon? Are we talking oranges? What kind of oranges? What kind of you know? And so it just for me it was like understanding like that part of it. You know, when someone says, Oh, this tastes like, you know, cocoa. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm roasting and, and puring uh Cocoa nibs and for a dish one time I was like that's what chocolate is in wine, not what we think of. And that, it was just like portraying it to me and the way that I look at things differently.
1: And who did, who do you make the pitch to? Was it Carl Walker? Who, yeah. who was <laughs> yeah. I, here? We are talking about the great chefs at Brennan's, and we don't yeah. even we don't yeah, even Carl. bring Carl up. Sorry, Carl. And he's back in the kitchen now running things. So. Yeah. Um so you went and I yeah. mean, he was was he GMing then or was he cooking? Then? He was the GM. Okay. And You know, our our wine buyer was
0: leaving and I I just was like, because I had sat in all the tastings, I understood, you know, I was buying the product for the restaurant, you know, doing a lot of the purchasing. It was like, I know how to buy and sell and I need to understand what it looks like in the front of that. Because like most kitchens, like, you know, a server comes back and says, well, table 22 Thinks this is too salty. And you, I'm always like, well, you can tell Table 22 to but like, you can bite my ass. Like, <laughs> right. that's not salty. And, <clears throat> and I had somebody be like, you tell them. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's kind of hard to do. I can tell, like, I get angry about it and tell you, go tell them, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's not the right answer. Um, and so I wanted to understand how front of the house and back of the house worked. Right. I understood the kitchen at that point. And so it's like, well, how does when a guest comes in, how are they greeted? How are they talked to? How are they sat to the table? What are the first steps of service? Um, and then what do they want to drink? You know, and like someone's just like iced tea, a bit killer. I tea, it is, you know, it's like because I wasn't waiting tables. I, I admire people that do that because I, I don't have that in me to understand that. But I can go get your wine for you. I can talk to you about wine. And making it not so hard, because I think a lot of times, um, no offense to a lot of the sommiers, but they, they, they make it very difficult. In fact, saying sommier is difficult. Right? right. Right? Like and don't try to get me to spell it. Yeah. yeah. And and so like th- sometimes I think wine just gets to the point where it's it's harder than it should be. And you should just enjoy it for what it is. Like enjoy like food and wine absolutely go together. High acid's gonna rip it, you know get your palate going and like, you're going to want to drink. You're going to want to eat. And that's, that's kind of what that's for. Right. I, instead of like, I, I don't, I always look at the back of a wine bottle. am like, who writes this shit? <laughs> and, and it just doesn't, it goes well with cream sauces, pastas, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, cause it's got acid in it, but like, leave that to the guest, leave that to the consumer to understand what they like and, and experiences. So, Maybe it's just good to have bullet points. but
1: I had one sommelier, and I would give anything uh, to know his name. Um, Who was the chef at Aries does the bread now? Scott Tyser. Scott Tyser. So Scott had the place where he does the bread now, Mm -hmm. and he did fine dining there for, gosh, it felt like only six months. Yeah. Whoever his psalm was uh, came up to the table, and I was sitting there, and – young, this was yeah. whatever, 25 years ago, young, didn't want to look like total idiot in front of the wife and uh, ask, what do you think of Paul Meyer? And he goes, it's scrumptious and delicious. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, that's great. Those are words you need to use. And, and described it perfectly. Yep. I mean, to this day, Paul Meyer is one of my favorite bottles of wine. And yep. it was just great. And I wish I wish I knew who the guy was. I totally. Yeah. Uh, totally- I mean, that's
0: a good way to have that conversation with the guest. Because right? now, all of a sudden, you felt more comfortable about it. Totally. You didn't feel like, well, the heavy oak and tannin was intertwined with blah, blah, blah. You know what? Shut the hell up. Is it good? Am I going to like it? Yeah. Cool. You put it on the list, so obviously you like it.
1: Or are you just checking a box? Like, where are we at? That's so. He knew it would not disappoint. Yeah. It's yeah. So, no, yeah, it was dead on. It was, uh, it was really great. My second favorite Paul Meyer story. Uh, Went out to Vegas going to see nine inch nails in concert mm-hmm. we had 10 minutes before um before we were going to dinner we were going what what is wolfgang puck's uh chinois his mm-hmm. fusion so we we're gonna go eat dinner there and then we were going to the show we had 10 minutes we sat down at a two dollar table for blackjack because it was the only one open it's right by the restaurant and I was at the point in life where I had a little bit of money. Yeah. I was not gonna ruin the family fortunes no matter what happened. Yeah. <laughs> two guys that maybe were in college and they were playing with their last nickels. I think I put I played three hands and I paid I played like a hundred dollars a hand. And these two guys were like, Oh my God. And they're like, Do you want us to play? Not play? I go play if you want. It's fine, guys. Yeah, it's not gonna and, change the
0: way that. I mean
1: and I'll mess up this, uh I'll mess up this uh this story, but something to the effect of i got two sets of aces i had to keep splitting and so anyway, all I'm of a sudden like, you're
0: a, you're into yeah, a 500 instead yeah, of
1: like 500 700 something like yeah. that and i win all of them so i i win like 1500 dollars, and these guys think i'm like god you know yeah. at this and so anyway i uh i pick it up and we walk into chinois and i said hey will you send the psalm over some comes over and I just dump the money at him. I said, "I'll take the best bottle of wine you'll give me for that," <laughs> and uh, and and he looked at it and came back with, "I'm because you did that. I'm going to give you this to you at cost." And it was a really old magnum of Paul Meyer. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. And I and I I mean, I looked at the the menu and he gave it to me for about half price. So he actually did it. But he was like, "That's such a great story, dude. You, it is. I want you to have this." But it was great. So. <laughs> So Brennan's, you're cooking, you do wine. What's next?
0: Uh, Charles and Grant reached out to me who were at Ibiza. It's funny because, you know, Carl told me, man, you need to get out and kind of see what's out there. Right. And I was like, wait, I, are you telling me to leave? And he's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. But you're learning everything here. And we want you to stay here, but you probably should you know, interview with some other things and just check it out. I'll never forget. <clears throat> I went to the interview for a hotel downtown. And um, they had this consulting firm that came in to help them hire a chef. Right. And Carl was like, you need to go do this. Just to go talk. Just to understand how this works. Because, you know, I'd been there eight years at that point. He's like, just see what it feels like. And I was like, all right. And so I went down there and uh, what they tell me? I sat through the interview, and they said, man, you know what? We're just going to be real brutally honest. And I was like, all right. And they said, you know what? You've been at this restaurant for too long. You're never going to leave, and you're never going to make anything of yourself. Wow. And I was like, no shit.
1: (laughs) That's what you tell people. I was like,
0: I mean, all right. Thank you so much for the time. And they're like, yeah. Have a good one. And it was like, and I never forgot that. Because I think that anytime someone tells you you can't do something, it's when you want to push harder to do it. Right. And so, um, about a year later, Charles came to me. We went to school together. He said, we're going to open up this other concept. Do you want to come take a look at it and maybe partner up into it and run it and be the chef? I was like, yeah, I'd love to see it. He's like, because you understand the front of the house and the back of the house now. And I was like, all right. Because at that point chefs wanted to talk to me about wine and wine guys wanted to talk to me about food. And so it was like, I talked to another guy. He's like, well, you already got one foot out the door. You're never going back in the kitchen. And I was like, well, I, that wasn't the point of this. It was more for me to learn and to make myself better in the kitchen. He's like, I get that, but it, it's not going to happen. And I was like, okay, same thing. Um, that guy's still a dear friend so like because <laughs> he made that choice right? right he moved from the kitchen and you know he's back in the kitchen so I guess it went back for him too um but they they wanted me to come by because they said you know what you can see what a guest wants before they know they need it I said yep and he's like it's an open kitchen concept so you're gonna have to watch the whole thing and I said like, easy you know and Antonio Giannola came on as a partner and and Matthew Prison came on, and we opened up Catalan back in 2006.
1: So Matthew was with you back that far? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Wow. has been with
0: me since 06, yeah. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. Um, And that was a lot of fun. That restaurant was great. Uh, but at a point, it was like, you know what? I want to do my own thing, you know? Because as, as much as they let me do whatever I wanted, it was still not mine, you know? And so... And they gave me the opportunity to
1: just like. Was it not yours in, and I hate to say it this way, but just uh-huh. kind of fame and glory, or was it not yours in terms of, I still had to kind of do this. I had to It be was still that, that, that box. You know, okay.
0: There was still boxes that you had to check, right? Yeah. And, and I knew that that was something that they needed to do. And, and for me, it was like, I was understanding my voice in food. And I think that's why people cook is because they have something to say. And that's using your voice. It's just like through the dishes. And so I started looking for something new. And then um, ran into Bobby Hugo and the guys from Anvil. And it was, uh, hey, we want to do this beer bar. You know, that's the next big thing, we think. And we found a spot, but it's 10,000 square feet. 15,000. With the, like we had to knock down a building in the back to turn it into a parking lot, but, so it was two restaurants which became Underbelly and Hay Merchant. Um, and so I oversaw both kitchens, and it was I, I really got to do the crazy things that I never thought I could do. And so yeah, I'm Underbelly kind of, was amazing, uh, it was a fun one, it was the kind of the heart and soul for me, like understanding food and understanding people in this city, and understanding cultures in the city, and understanding like. Doing the dumbest things you'll ever do is, like, no produce company for the most part. Only whole animal. <laughs> Changing the menu every day, like, five to seven dishes a day. Um, it was a
1: lot. My, uh, my favorite thing is the first time I ate at Underbelly, um, your sommelier had gone into the butcher's room and hung Oscar Mayer bologna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and was bridging. And then I think your butcher had gone and put Schlitz malt liquor yep. in the uh, wine cabinet. Yep. And you just left it. Left it. Yeah, that's was great. I feel like you
0: should have a 40 of Natty Ice in your uh, butcher shop or in your wine room at all times.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think so. Which is
0: funny because he just gave me a bottle of like strawberry wine to put in my wine room at home now. He was like, just to relive the history in the past, just keep this and find it later. And it was like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks.
1: But you're you're way actually underselling what you were doing at Underbelly, because I mean that that was stunning. I mean, you literally mm-hmm. were whole animals butchering, building a menu around it, farmers, whatever you bring me. yeah, I mean, the menu really did change. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't even conceive how you did that.
0: I didn't sleep well <laughs> <laughs> But it was also like we, we did the, we did the menu as you know as cooks, right? And, and and all of us got together, all the cooks got together every day. You know, if you get there at that time, cool. If not, we're gonna tell you what you're doing on your station, right? And and um, you know, but every day I have guys and girls, all the cooks come in, buy them lunch, sit down, pop open a bunch of cookbooks, and just start talking about food. And and then when you start to riff on that, and then that's when the dishes and the food really start to come together because very few people said, well, like me personally, it wasn't like this is the menu, this is what we're doing. Boom, 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 boom. It was I, so. I want you this week to focus only, on, or I gave them like a month at a time. And I'd be like, this month, you're going to focus on Vietnamese and you're going to learn as much as you can about it. And then this cook over here, I was like, you're going to learn Thai. You're going to do Indian. You're going to do Middle Eastern. I want you to go eat the food. I want you to understand the food. I want you to read about the food. I want you to come back and we'll talk about food and dishes. And then we'll figure out how to, Incorporate that into our menu, and so it was pushing everybody just to be better.
1: Yeah, and uh, then, and if okay, if that's not stupid enough to <laughs> like have a have a new menu every day, yeah. then let's let's the get a building fifth? and do yeah. five different concepts.
0: Yeah, that was the dumbest. Um, I looked at Marks. And I walked through with Mark,
1: which by the way, before it was Mark's uh, and after it was a church, it was a head shop where you dream could, merchant. Yeah, dream merchant. And uh, I used to buy concert t shirts there.
0: That building was only a church for uh, 16 months when it was built in 1927. And then it became everything under the sun. I have heard everything that that thing has become a broom factory during the war. Like it just no way it, yeah it just kept like everybody's like yeah I remember this was the porn shop oh yeah we used to film porn back in this back yeah. over here and it was like wait what like it was like oh and then it was a dance club and then it became Dream Merchant and then it was this and it was and I was like I mean I guess a building that's a hundred years old is going to have a massive amount of history but the, the Lutheran church that was there was only there for sixteen months it's like that building has did the test of time as a church but was very little. Of its history, very much looks like a church. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you got the—you can see the choirs up here. You got the, you know, pulpit. Over, like what you're talking about. It was literally only a church for 16 months of its 100 year um, run, which and is crazy it, to think about.
1: Yeah, and so, so Dream Merchant to Marks. And how long was Marks? 17, 18, 19, years? 19
0: years. Okay, yeah, 19 years, and I guess you know I just want to do something else. And I mean, they called me. I went and looked at it. And, and then it was, what I came to find out was more of a real estate play, right? They wanted that building, the corner store, uh, like the Hollywood um, grocery, yeah, the tattoo shop, and then this lot behind it. Well, somebody else bought the lot behind that, and they kind of those two groups kind of got into a little bidding war. But you know the 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 Hollywood store and the tattoo shop. That, I mean, that's a guy that. that that's a first- generation uh, Vietnamese immigrant that bought that piece. Don't underestimate it. Okay. right? You're never going to get that piece of property that is going to be in the family hands forever unless you pay five times too much for it. so and I think they all miss, they misgauge that and still are, which <laughs> is funny to me. Um, but you know, because when I took the guys back to the restaurant, I was like, all right, so this is, uh, what, do you, what, what, what are we talking about as far as lease goes? And he was like, we're thinking you go in for two years. And I was like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, you know, um, it's a turnkey restaurant. You're going to buy all the equipment that's in there. You got the plates. You got everything. I mean, you can be open next week. And I was like, what? Like, that doesn't work. Like, it will be Mark's. I will just be the chef at Mark Cox's restaurant because that's how the public would perceive that. Like that doesn't make any sense. And even four years into it, I still had people like, Hey, is Mark back there tonight. And it's like, <laughs> hasn't been here in four years, you know? And so, um, I walked off and I was like, you guys wasted my day. I got butchering and menus to do. <laughs> like, and then I just turned around. and I was like, look, I'll do it for five years. I'll change the concept every year and I'll figure out what I'm going to do when I want to grow up. Cool, if you can figure that out, make the numbers work, we can talk. And they just kind of sat back like, I don't even know what you just said. And I was like, marinate, I got to go. Um, and so I, I, I just had the conversation with Lindsey Brown, my wife, who was my uh, early like, girlfriend at the time. And we were at the conversation of, you know restaurants are hard when you're there six days a week all day all night like it's hard on every relationship right and she's like how do we get to the point where you're not working so much and i was like well this ain't it <laughs> so like, i was like she's gonna say absolutely not and so i called her and said hey can you come by the restaurant let's talk for a minute and she thought something was bad and i was like this is my idea for this project and she looked at me, and she's like, as a PR person, this is brilliant. You should do this. And I was like, damn. All right, I'm just going to remind all of you, y'all said yes. Yeah. I gave you every opportunity to say no. Um,
1: And so we did. We opened up One-Fifth steak,
0: Um, Then it went to one. Let me
1: ask you this, because, yeah. you know, I obviously – I mean, you and I have been friends for a long, mm-hmm. a long time. We've we've done a lot of stuff together. So I've actually worked with a lot of the staff, mm-hmm. you know, and feel like I know them pretty well. Most of the staff seems to believe, and I wonder if this is true or not. That literally, this stuff just comes to you and you say it, like the <laughs> the five year. Let's do this. That yeah. literally, you had that thought right then and you yeah. said it. And that this is that you're not playing chess. You didn't think of that no. stage, the meeting of, I'm going to no. storm out and say this, that literally things come to you like that. Literally cons. One of the one fifth concepts was sitting around. I ah, we're going to do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I shoot from the hip a lot. Nice. I'm, whatever. You know, it's like, uh, it, it, sometimes I think about it for a day or two and then I figure out how I'm going to propose these thoughts and then I have the conversations and people are like, that's just stupid, but it's really, really good. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, there's that. right? Um, so, yeah, because we got through, we were supposed to do, it was one-fifth steak, one-fifth romance languages, which was the hardest concept to ever do because it was right at Harvey. You know, yeah. we were opening it uh, a week after Hurricane Harvey came through. And man, I just, it was every restaurant in the city just hurt, you know? Um, and it just, I don't think it wasn't one that I would want to do again. Cause it was like high-end Italian, French, Spanish. Um, and, and it was, uh, you could tell that I wasn't really into that concept cause I didn't, it wasn't like my favorite, you know, I was there, but it wasn't like, ah, oh, this is awesome. Anyway, um, but the team did a fantastic job with it. Um, and then we went in. It was supposed to be one-fifth fish. And I pulled the cord on that because it was like, first off, I have such anxiety about seafood and having a menu of 20 different seafood things, like rotations. And like, if I don't really know you, I'm not going to go eat fish at your place. Like, I just yeah. don't, you know, I, there's, there's, so, um, it's a trust issue with me, I guess. Um <clears throat> So we did one fifth uh
1: Mediterranean, which was great. And then top five meal of my life. Yeah. We um uh, called Nick one time and said, Hey, business center, there'll be ten of us. And uh Nick was just, so what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know, blow me away. And we just sat down and food kept coming and it was stunning. Yeah. I mean, that was really good. I'm I'm actually surprised that did not just stay Mediterranean for the rest of the time. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, we the, talked it was about so it. good. We
0: talked about it for sure, but it was one of those things like we said we were going to do, right? we yeah. were going to keep going. And so, uh, so let's go back real quick. It's 2017. It was one fifth romance. Um, and I was going back and forth from the restaurants all the time. Right. And it was, it And I guess maybe that's why I had that feeling about romance, because it was like I couldn't focus on Underbelly and that at the same time, even though I had, you know, kind of. Nick was the chef there, but I still was the chef here and having to run back and forth and just like. And so that's when I decided, like, hey, look, Underbelly is that restaurant that's it's just. It's got to go away. Right. Because that's too much to put on anybody other than myself if i'm going to say we're going to change the menu every day we're going to do a whole animal every day we're going to do this we're going to do that we're going to do that like that's something that i have to do i can't lay that on somebody else um and so i was like let's we like the steakhouse let's move the steakhouse gut it uh underbelly and put it into george and open georgia james there and so uh named a chef there and then Lindsay, like what are we going to do with like underbelly like how do you think I don't understand, like, where does that go? It has to be a part of the city still. So I looked at that little spot in between Georgia James and One-Fifth and was like, there's this restaurant that just closed. Let's take a look at it. And it was affordable to do. And it was – so we did uh, UB Preserve. And Nick Wong came into town for that. Um, So within six months, man, we did – we – Opened up one fifth med <laughs> preserve, did uh, Southern Smoke, and then two weeks later opened up Georgia James, and so that
1: was like the hardest six months of planning <laughs> that I've ever had in my life. That's insane. Uh, yeah, I but, mean, any 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 chef on the planet would be proud to just to have one of those. And you yeah, did all, you did all three and six months
0: yeah and then texas monthly i said the other day they came out with their you know best new restaurants list and uh all three of them were tied for number number one not as a cumulative effect but each one was rightfully earned the number one slot is how she said it and so it was like a huge lift for the staff you know because it was so hard and it was fun and you know everybody got the accolades and, and stuff, so,
1: and it was amazing. I mean, you literally—I mean, the Vietnamese fajitas, you be preserved, <laughs> yeah. and uh, the the crunchy salad, the crispy oh, rice, crispy rice. And salad. see, all
0: that was Nick Wong, you know, yeah. and like, and you know, one fifth was uh, Matt Staff and uh, Greg Peters at Georgia James, and like just letting the people do what they're doing, and like. It made more sense that way for me to step out of the kitchen than to say, I'm going to be in the kitchen and then not be there. Right. Oh, cause I have to be down here. Right. So you guys got this right. Like it was like, no, these are your restaurants now. So that was a hard thing for a lot of people to understand. It's like, yeah, I'm the overall chef guy, but these are the people running the restaurants. These are the, this is the chef here. Um, and so it made my thought process in life way easier.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was cool because uh, every once in a while, a little birdie would text me, Chris is actually working the line tonight, yeah. so show up. And so we and, made it.
0: And that was the fun part. Like, I could. Like, I could just be like, I'm bored. I want to – I have something to say, right? I have something through food to say. And so I'd be like, come on in, man. Run it. It's like, but,
1: I, but, you know, the amazing thing out of that, though, is your your baby – and and your true love out of that was Southern Smoke. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that.
0: Um, so Southern Smoke was started in 2015 uh, for Antonio Giannola, who was diagnosed with MS. With, you know, to go back, he was uh, my partner at Catalan. Um, and so, you know, he asked if we could raise, you know, do a party and or do a dinner and raise five grand for the MS, Foundation, MS Society. And I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense, right? That's... What you're telling me is happening, $5,000 isn't going to cut it. We have to really take a step into it and lean in and make impact. And so I called Aaron Franklin and Sean Brock and Rodney Scott. And then I had Justin Yu and Ryan Para, and Seth and Terrence do kind of like some Houston food too. And I was looking to close down the sidewalks around the restaurant and went to the mayor's department of special events and... She's like, we're giving you our stage. We're blocking off all the streets around you. We're giving you the infrastructure, the lighting, the fencing, everything. So I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what, the f- what just happened? <clears throat> and um, I walked out and I looked at Lindsay. I was like, I don't understand. She's like, I guess we're throwing a festival. So I called the guys back and said, hey, it was 200. Now we're going to do 1,200. Are you cool with that? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Um, and it was the greatest day. Uh, we ended up uh, cutting a check for $181,000 from that. And then year two, 284000 And then year three, we're about a month out. And again, Harvey hit. Um, and so in 2017, and so at that point, we decided to make a change for the foundation to take care of people in the hospitality or the food and beverage industry in times of crisis. Um, so, you know... If, you're, you're, you're a busser and you trip and fall and you twist your ankle and you can't work well you can't pay your bills you can't do anything like you can't put food on the table like that's what we're there for you know we're the safety net to uh, make sure that people don't have long hard dark nights thinking about how they're gonna make make it to tomorrow um so and that that's, that's a short story right it's, it's much bigger than that um Cause that year we figured out in 2017, we figured out how to, um, put an application process together, a verifying committee and awards committee, um, application, we knew who they were verifying, they knew who they were and then everything was stripped and it was just scenarios and the awards committee like said, okay, well this person, their, their need is this, let's go for this. Um, and we took in 240 applications and granted out 139 families, a half a million dollars. And so that was when we decided that that was it. That's why we have to keep this going. Um, we always do something for the MS society because that's where we came from. Um, but we just, in August broke $10 million in awards funded, uh, We started a mental health program in 2020, so anybody in the F&B industry and their kids have access to free mental health in the state of Texas. Um, But we expanded that in August to Texas, Louisiana, California, Illinois, and Pennsylvania. Um, And that's just now come live on all those states and uh, pushing to have all 50 states by 2028.
1: No, that's that's simply amazing because I was there the first year. Yeah. Um, I guess I can fess up to it now because I yeah. can't really get into trouble. But, nope. we, you know, the the VIP ticket got in an hour early. Yeah. I got in two hours early. Me and my <laughs> eldest kiddo. Me and my eldest kiddo may or may not have. You got to know people. See, you got to know people. We snuck in. And the coolest thing about it was literally for an hour. Me and my eldest kiddo, Charlie, we hang out with Aaron Franklin. Yeah. And Aaron's sitting there showing us what he's doing. Yeah. You know, I felt like, hey, Aaron, do I need to go get some beer? I'll go get a yeah. beer. And yeah. yeah. And I mean, so yeah. it was, yeah. And it was, it was amazing. Cause as it was portrayed to me, um, again, by kind of the staff, it was like, you just walked in one day and said, screw it, we're doing this. You know, that's pretty much how that worked. Yeah. Yeah. No, which again. is, which is really cool. And so, uh, I mean, just to, to see it grow over time has been unbelievable. So give me the, give me the setup on this year too, man. This year is, uh, three days, October 21st to the 23rd. So
0: we're like two and a half weeks out, right? Actually two weeks from tomorrow, which is terrifying. Um, first night is at lot hall. It's the uh, H uh, town welcome wagon. Uh, and that's, you know, Bun B is going to be out that day. Uh, we got a bunch of local chefs, Turkey and the Wolf, um, Saigon Pagalak, like Uchiko, like all these like, it's just a mixed match, hodgepodge. It's the first time I'm ever cooking at the festival, which is gonna be fun. But um, I'm actually gonna be helping Gail Simmons from Top Chef. And so we're gonna be cooking together. And, and like Terrence Gallivan is, you know, getting ready to open his new restaurant, so he's gonna be out there cooking too. So it's 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 awesome. Um So that's
1: that's the twenty first. That's what, Friday what, night. What's uh what's on Saturday. Saturday we've
0: never had a seafood focused event. Um, and so this one, our title sponsor is, uh, is Yeti and the Alaskan Seafood Council, um, which is amazing. I just did an event with some of their fish. They sent it down, scallops, trout, or uh, salmon roe, a bunch of salmon, black cod, uh, halibut. Like, I just did this spread the other night for a fundraiser, and it was like, this stuff is beautiful. Because like, I've never really played with that, because it's always been like, what's coming out of our local waters? Right, right. So the last time I had a piece of halibut, it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long, long time. And so it was kind of cool to see that. Um, but you know, so we're gonna have seafood towers made of yetis, and it's like, oh, that's awesome. It's only six chefs, seven actually. So you got two chefs from North Carolina, two chefs from South Carolina, two chefs from Louisiana, and then you got Hori from Kata, who's gonna break down a uh, a bluefin on site. And just make hand rolls for people. Oh, my
1: gosh. That's insane.
0: Yeah. And then Sunday. and that, So that's our daytime event. Because we also are smart enough to understand that Saturday nights in October is like gala season. So we want to get everybody kind of, I guess, properly lubricated <laughs> to be able to and, and satiated with food to be able to go to one of these <laughs> events where they're just going to be like, I don't want to eat this. I just had the, you know, so... um it's really pretty awesome and so then sunday is east downtown Throwdown, which is seven acres around uh, uh vinnie's and and uh miss carousel and then in through eighth wonder brewery and distillery and then out and around so we have seven
1: acres over there in east downtown yeah it's gonna be crazy so i mean
0: aaron franklin's got his own street Nice. Yeah. I was just like, he, man, I don't want to deal with his line. Put him on the street. <laughs> like, <he's, laughs> just give him a damn street. <laughs> so, um, but you got Tom Clicchio and Andrew Zimmer, and you got uh, folks from Georgia James, and you got the folks from, you know, they're all over um, <laughs> one of the Uchi restaurants because there's, you know, Uchi, Uchico, and Laura are all uh, presenting this weekend too. And then you got like, uh, I mean, just the list goes on and on and on and on. Chris Bianco gonna be out there firing off pizzas all day and you know, Rosie Cannonball. And like it's it's just gonna be so much fun. I mean, literally forty, forty
1: six different chefs on Sunday. Wow. That's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be off the uh off the chart. So uh plus the, all
0: the other stuff that's involved with it.
1: Right. So there's a big NFL
0: Legends thing coming with Crown Royal too, which will be fun. I think I'm cooking with Ed Reed and Bo Jackson. Like oh, That's dude. the word
1: right now. It may change,
0: but yeah. Like
1: I'm decent with knives. I'm decent <laughs> on the grill. I can uh, I can uh, I can I can hold my own in a kitchen, but So I'm the oldest of four boys, and my mom, Sally, phenomenal chef. And in hindsight, now that I have kids, she let us go in the kitchen just so she could get a break. Yeah. We we always took it as she was very encouraging, very patient. She was probably asleep on the couch. But (laughs) You guys handle pie roast, all right? Make the meatballs. I'm going to take a nap. Mom would sit there and eat whatever we made, and we would put, like, dog shit in a pancake or something and she would just maybe not so much manure next time you know <laughs> just, just be real patient with us and uh it was twofold one it gave her a break and two she wanted a, a baby girl and just never got one so she was <laughs> going to get a daughter-in-law and i need to teach my sons to cook if yeah. i want to if i want a daughter-in-law so i can hold my own on that particularly when it comes to Bo jackson yeah yeah i'd be <laughs> come on hang on there. i don't know if that's
0: who it's going to be yet but we'll see you know we got music every day, and it's uh, I mean it's just going to be a fun filled three days.
1: So so Uchiko chef Scott Tyser? no, no. Uh, what's uh, what's his name? Tyson Cole. Tyson Cole. Mm-hmm. Tyson Cole. I got one Tyson Cole story. Love gotta, him. I love it. I got it. So you. good at what he does. So I was in Uchico in Austin, and there were three other guys with me. Mm. And by the time we ordered the fifth bottle of Krug, he was like, Tyson's like, I go figure out who these guys <laughs> yeah, are. Right? Yeah, you know, sitting there. So he comes to the table and we start chatting. And, you know, I'm telling him, hey, you know, I got to Uchi all the time. You know, I'm a big fan of that and all. And uh, you know, he's, he, he looks like an accountant, right? I mean, he he's does. kind of a smaller guy, clean cut and all. And I said, you know, I really love your food. And he goes, well, you know, what I've always wanted to do with food my aversion to texas food is it's so heavy it's big it's fried and you eat it and you want to go to sleep and well i just want you to eat a meal at my restaurant and then go home and fuck everybody was like what (laughs) (laughs) did he just say that that's amazing i was like wow please tell me somebody recorded it but uh yeah no big big fan of that so where do people go to get tickets? Southernsmoke.org. Southernsmoke.org. Mm-hmm. And we'll drop this podcast uh next Wednesday. So you'll we'll be you a time. week, week and a half out to go do that. But the other thing is when somebody's listening to this podcast a year and a half from now, they can still go to the website. Always, Plus there's org. gonna be another one yeah. the, the next year. Yeah,
0: we're gonna keep doing them. And uh you know, we may change formats every once in a while. It's just like this one after you know, two years of not doing one. Um, you know, Lindsay, you know, fired off a bunch of emails and everybody said yes. And so it was like, I don't know how, I mean, it was like 67 chefs. So I was like, I, 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 I don't know what you, because every Southern smoke that we've done before has been like 24. Right. So like, that's manageable at some point. It, well, I guess it's hard, but manageable. And this one was like, three days, I guess. And so the team looked at me and they're like, did he just say three days? <laughs> and,
1: like, hey. and so and was, one of those shoot from the hip type things. And I can't remember who it was. I think it was Aaron Franklin. The first year when kind of asking about this, walking around, it was well, when Chris Shepard calls and asks, the answer is yes. Just tell me what I signed up for. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. Was, he's a good one. He's been there every year. He's yeah. on our board now.
0: Um he, He's uh Aaron's one of the most special human beings I've ever met in my life. Yeah, and and just he has a very strong philosophy about things. Um, he he loves to use the word no, and he understands the power of the word no. Can you come do this? No. Can you come do this? No. Can you come do this? No. I no, it's not really in my wheelhouse or whatever. But like he's always said, absolutely, and like he's one of the first ones to call. He'll be like, he'll call back and like january and be like you guys got a date set because i'm starting to work on my calendar for the year and i want to make sure that i'm still doing this with you guys like and i'm like you tell me what date you want it to happen on and we'll do it that basically at this point because i like, he's just such a strong fixture to texas and in texas cuisine you know and 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 just giving and loving and i don't know i'm i'm glad that i've got
1: to meet that person in life yeah no, I mean, you could just tell for the, the time we were sitting there. I mean, being so nice to my kiddo, and yeah. here's how we salt meat, and here's how we pepper it, and here's what you're looking for in a smoke ring and stuff. I mean, no reason for him to need to do that, and seemed to be having fun doing it. And I mean
0: he always says it like, he, you know, because he's like me, like you don't cook at a whole lot of things anymore, right? The team's cook, and like he is, I only cook briskets at your festival. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome so you're not doing it at the restaurant he goes no I go in and check on him but like this is like he sits out by the fire at night until the next shift comes in and then he goes and takes a little rest and then comes back and, and cuts every piece himself and will give every person I mean that's I figured it out why the line is that long it's because he wants to make sure that he knows you're standing there for something and he is going to, when you get there, you want to take a photo? Sure. You want to talk for a minute? Sure. Like, it's, you want to, you know, tell him about, like, he'll spend the time with every single person. And it's uh, it's just gracious. You know, it, it's, I don't know, it's pretty cool.
1: No, it's really cool. And uh, if, you, if, if you'll apologize, I'm a fanboy a little, because I would say the same thing about you. In mm. all seriousness, no, I, I always love the fact People say, you know, describe Chris Shepard. And I said, well, kind of in one word, just fun. Yeah. I mean, I I remember calling and saying, hey, you know, Thomas Ruts playing the rodeo tomorrow <laughs> night. I'm <laughs> picking him up. I'm picking him up at 9:45. I don't think we can get to Georgia James until 10 or 10:15. I know you close at 10. Ah, stay it's up all, right. all night. It's all right. There's, there may or may not be video of us uh, doing Weller shots <laughs> in the in the, ki- in the kitchen. Uh, you uh, you had the sanity to leave early on that. Say I hi did. I leave. Uh, Poor Nick got stuck with us till three in the morning. Yeah, three in the morning. And I mean, just like having people come back and sign the wall yeah. in uh, in Georgia. Jam is really cool. The Chris the Christmas Eve stuff mm-hmm. you did where you would base a menu around a a movie movie? was so much fun. And so, yeah, and I, so my favorite story about you, and you've heard me tell this a million times, uh, Charlie and Kim are in China. I've got Sarah and Kelly. This has got to be seven or eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And because it it was at Underbelly, Underbelly is still around. And we were doing everything basically when mom left, I was like, girls, what do you want to do? And we got a list of like 30 things. We were doing them because I was going to be the cool dad. Yeah, you have to be. And and anyway, I was like, one thing you got to do for me, we're going to dress up nice. We're going to go eat a nice dinner just so you know. So we walk in, underbelly. You come out to the table. You sit down, girls, what do you want to eat tonight? I got some great fresh vegetables in. I got some great seafood in. What do you want? And these two looked at you, the James Beard Award winning (laughs) chef, and said, we like cheeseburgers.
0: (laughs) And Chris was, and you were just like,
1: okay, I got you, girls. And you pop up. And you're walking off, and I'm like, hey, hey, Chris, they they can't have any dessert until they eat their food, though, and all that. So you come back with two big plates that literally have two <laughs> cheeseburgers <laughs> about the size of Oreo cookies on it. You set them down, and you go, girls, I got this. And then all of the waiters come with two of every one of dessert, and you throw it all out on the table.
0: And, you know, sometimes you got to eat that. you gotta I, know when
1: you, you got to know
0: the audience and know what the end goal is. Right? And how do you touch that soul and touch that memory? Um, and that's, that's what, because at the end of the day, right, you probably couldn't tell me what you ate. right? But you, can, you know that story like the back of your hand because it was the memory that was ingrained. And that's what, in the hospitality industry, I think that's what separates a lot of things. Yeah. Is making that moment and understanding the moment, and seeing the opportunity and taking the time to do that. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing.
1: No, it was uh, it was really amazing. And so, thing I'll kind of close on because this is obviously the question everybody asks. Yeah. You you sold out of the restaurants. I did, yeah. You're focused on Southern Smoke, mm-hmm. and totally get that. I mean, when you came and talked to my Breakfast Club the other day, you got emotional talking about it, which was uh, which was really cool to see. Is that next and final? do we have a next step plan that we <laughs> want to break news on here on Chuck Gates yeah. needs a job, the podcast,
0: or? Uh, I, I might just join this podcast with you say, Chuck and Chris needs a job. No. Um, I think for me, like it was time, you know, we set the restaurants up to where they needed to be uh, with the staff and the, you know, the, the upper end management systems. And, and it was like, it was time for me to do something else, you know? And it's like, I have like a 10 year span. I got to do something new all the time. And so like Southern smoke, when I, I saw where we're going and to understand that, like, like right now, if I was still operating the restaurants, like it would be really hard on the team. It would be really, really hard on the team. Cause we've set some pretty lofty goals, but in the same aspect, it's not like, Hey, make a million dollars on this. no make a statement because this is our year to make the statement um, and let people have a damn good time. Right. Cause it's our first year back, but it, it, you know, and so I, I don't know, like for now, Southern smoke is, is where I need to be. Cause I want to, I want to make sure that we can get the mental health program across the country. And then I want to work on some legal systems for, for folks in the hospitality industry to be able to, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, people always ask it like, why did this restaurant close? Right? This place was busy. They were doing great. Why did they close? Well, because they didn't read the the, they, they didn't really look into the fine print of the lease negotiations. You know, you, you thought you could get in and pay that, but you can't, you know. And so it, it's one of those things like I want people, no offense to anybody in real estate by any means, like I want people to have attorneys that will look at these contracts for them because the real estate people definitely put a lawyer to make the contract. You know what I'm saying? And cooks and waiters and and people that want to open a restaurant are just like, yeah, here's my signature. Let's go. And it's like, no, no, no. And so I think that, you know, understand for teaching restaurant folks that like, not only is like table and chairs and food and wine important, but the legal aspect of it to help cover you is very important as well. And whether it be through immigration law or tax law, tax law is huge because like, there's so many like taxing things in restaurants that people just don't understand. Like, like, I didn't know I had to do that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so you gotta have, you know, and so I want to work on the legal aspect too and get that arm of Southern smoke going and then maybe an educational arm and then who knows what will happen. There may be a restaurant. There may not. I don't know. I'm 50.
1: right? <laughs> as,
0: as like, I feel like there would be a time where I have something else to say, but what will that be? Right. Will it be through a restaurant? Will it be through just something else? Right. I mean, now I'm writing a wine column for culture map, you know, because it's just like something different and fun. You know, I talked to a couple of master sommeliers last night and I was like, I think I might go back and start taking those tests again. And they're like, you should. And I'm like, why not? What else do I have to do? You know? And so it's like, who really knows what the future holds? Right, and and, I, and I've always been that way. As you said, like my team always said, well, he just says this and he does it. And that's, I, I don't think I'll ever change that. as I'll have to see like, how can, I think Southern Smoke could probably be my, my, my thing for a while, for a long time, because we have to leave it better than we found it. Yeah. And if everybody's working so hard to keep it maintained, someone's gotta be working on it to make it better. And it's, just the little things that can help, you know, and people say, well, are you happy about Southern Smoker? No, I'm not. I'll be happy when it's not needed. Right. And that our industry has all the intangibles that it needs. Because there's always going to be crisis. And you can look like the World Central Kitchen, and they do a fantastic job of coming in and feeding. You know, but once that hot meal and that sandwich or whatever it is, that your, your body's satisfied, but your home is gone. You know, that's how we have to work in tandem now. Like we have to be able to help people with that crisis that they're in once the stomach is full and they're on their way, right? I I applaud what World Central Kitchen does. They are an amazing organization, you know, and and they come in and they put their boots on the ground and they get going. And I need to be standing there next to them saying, all right, now I got you from here on out. And so once we can do that, I'll feel better about life and where we're at.
1: Well, that was very, very cool of you. It's uh, someone who's kind of sat on the sidelines and, and watched it. It's pretty amazing to yeah. see. So, southernsmoke.org. Go. Make sure you get tickets for this. It's going to be awesome. And, yep. I mean, people will be listening to this podcast in three years. There's going to be a Southern Smoke there coming up. There will be. Uh, so, please do it. Thanks, Thanks for coming you. on, Chris. Thanks, I appreciate it. It's always good to sit here and talk with you. And yeah, likewise, good to see dude. It. Always.